there's no egos in the dressing room. There's no, no one's any different to anybody else. And it doesn't matter who you are, how much you've been bought for, what you've done, what you've, what you've played. You're not better than this person. So nobody's better than anybody else. The official Manchester City podcast. Welcome to the official Manchester City podcast with me, Rob Pollard. And as always, I'm joined by former City defender, Nader Minouet. And for this episode, we're joined by Scott Carson, a man who joined Manchester City in 2019 uh, and has had a really storied career. He's played for lots of different clubs and obviously played for England as well. So, Nader, you know Scott mm. pretty well. Yes. Um, what are you most looking forward to here today? Just... Hearing him speak and talk about his time at City, talk about his career, and really remind people how significant he actually is. And also, like, most people just seem from the outside, it's just the name, you know, that's at City. But it's a real person, and I love this podcast because it allows people the chance to actually show who they are. And all being well, as long as you don't scare him away, then I think he'll do just that. And I think as well, I'm fascinated by the mindset of a third-choice goalkeeper and, you know, how do you stay mentally prepared, physically prepared, and all that kind of stuff. Mm. But also... Every player we ever interview, if you mention Scott Carson, yeah. they have got nothing but great things to say about him in terms of the impact he's had in the dressing room, um, in terms of the role he plays out on the training pitch and all that kind of stuff. So I, I really just want to dig deep on kind of um, how he perceives his own role and, and, and what more he's got to give. Yeah, Scott will be, like what it is, he'll be very self-aware. Nothing you said about teammates. Like, I played with him in 2007, and I can the same things you're hearing today, the same things I would have said from his time back there. So... I think he'll be very, very good. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, the idea of a third choice goalkeeper, I think some people see it as like a holiday. But I think for Scott, I reckon he'll be very much motivated to try and get into the team, but understands his position because he's so self-aware. Fantastic. Right, let's get into it. So here's our interview with Scott Carson. Basically, my childhood was was football. That, that was it. There was was born in a town called Cleetamua. There wasn't a lot to do, um, apart from getting into trouble and, and playing football. So basically out, out of the house when it was light and back before it was dark, just playing football. And that's all we did. And the village started getting a team together. And I think it was under 10s, I think it was. I, I think I was a couple couple years younger than, than most of my mates. So I think I was about eight at the time, went up a few trials and how I Wanted to go in goal. I, I still don't know to this day. I think you, it was. You wanted to go in goal. Well, I, I remember just going up for the tr first training session. I must have just got bullied and got into the. Have you got any kids now? Yeah. How old are they? Oldest seventeen. Yeah. Thirteen, eleven, and six. Okay. And do they play football? Yeah. Do any of those want to go in goal? The youngest one, but he's a he's a little bit mad. So I've... ah, there we go. <laughs> there we That's go. the connection. Yeah. That's the one. I can understand it. The <laughs> ones I've said you want to score the goals, but that's exactly right. He's um he's mad as a box of frogs. So okay. I can I can half understand it. You must be delighted with the career you've had because you've been in so you know played in so many different clubs and 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 had a really interesting trajectory. What what have you made of it? And did you expect when you know when you first started going in goal that it would lead to a full time professional career in the way that it has? No, not at all. Obviously, it was the any any boy's dream to go professional, and um, I literally worked my socks off from from probably the age of twelve, thirteen, when I knew I had a a bit of ability, and it was just literally every every day after training in, in the garden, get my mum to f throw balls at me and <laughs> diving over cones with broomsticks over them to get my spring better, waking my mates up with ladders to the bedroom nine o'clock on a Saturday Sunday morning to 
get him to take shots at me and I think that that hasn't stopped it even now I just love, love getting out there diving around and I've always felt I've given 100% every club I've been at and even now I, I, I still think I've I've probably improved the last couple of couple of years since I've been here and I think as long as you've got that um, that drive when, you, when you're on the training ground then you can go on as long as your, your body tells you to just watched a clip of today's training. It's you who always stays behind when the lads want to do shooting practice. Is that, do they ask you or is that just because, like you say there, you just love rolling around, diving, saving shots? Yeah, both, but obviously I'm I'm the third choice keeper. I think that's half of my my job role is um, to help the lads if they, if they need anything. Obviously, the two lads are, are playing a, a lot more games than me and they could be called upon at any, any time. Um, if the lads want to do a bit of bit of heading, bit of shooting, or a bit of crossing or whatever, then um, I'm I'm there to to help them, and obviously that means staying behind. It's ten fifteen minutes. It's it's not a, a massive um, a massive thing to do, but um, I, I do feel that's part of my role to to be there to do that. Do you think that's brought you closer to a lot of the players because you spend so much time with them outside of their normal sort of like training hours, doing extra with them or not? Yeah, I think so. Obviously, it's going to make the the bond with, with certain players a, a lot tighter. But the atmosphere in that dressing room from probably half nine, ten o'clock in the morning when we come in and everyone's round the the big laundry bin in in the middle of a playing two touch and people are getting ears flicked and people are getting slapped <laughs> on the neck and <laughs> we're going into the we're going into the meeting with Pep and you're sitting behind some lads and you just see it, all, all the necks are red and people are just laughing. <laughs> That's the sort of thing that does bring squads and, and, and groups closer together and yeah. I think the it was only the first probably ten days, two weeks I, I came in and I was obviously I'd I'd been at loads of clubs, been at some top teams some, with a lot of top players and Definitely. you still that that first day, second day you still get so nervous. It's like obviously everyone says it's like going to school for the first time again and Yeah. You don't want to look too awkward and I'm sitting on the phone, still in there. Texting yourself, that type of thing. Still yeah. in the Derby um, goalkeeper's groove going. <laughs> I'm just looking on my um, phone, pretending I'm I'm looking at something from when <laughs> just trying not to be awkward. So who brought you out of your shell then? Because I mean, you, you, you have become really kind of central to the camaraderie and the, and the dressing room. All the players tell us that. So how do you go from sitting on your phone for the first couple of weeks to being, being that character? Who was it? Was there a person who dragged you out? Was it just a... A natural evolution of your own personality, really. No, I've always been. I've always um, liked a, a laugh and a joke in in the dressing room and even on the training ground. But when it's when it, you've got to get down to down to business and and focus and and train hard, then that obviously goes aside. But I've always been. Obviously, I've I played with Chief of twenty bands, twenty ones, twenty ones, like a lifetime ago. I've always worked hard. I'd had a laugh off the field, so I think it was only a matter of time that I would become my natural self again but it was you do you just feel like a bit daunting it does, it, yeah it's definitely daunting yeah there's you know as a look look around the dressing room I've always felt even even the lads that come in now I always feel that I try to help them settle um there's no egos in the dressing room there's no no one's any different to anybody else and I think that's one probably one thing I've always felt in my whole career that doesn't matter who you are um how much you've been bought for, what you've done, what you've what you've played. You're not better than this person. So nobody's better than anybody else. And that's that's how I've always um always took myself and how I always take everybody else. And I think that's that's just me being who I am. 
I could ask you about so many people in the squad, but I want to ask you about two in particular. One is Edison. He's an enigma to us. What's he like? Because you know him well. You train yeah. with him every day. What What is he like, like as a as a person? He's a top, top fella. Um, I don't know what goes in, on in his head sometimes. <laughs> um, that's a lot coming from Scott as well, by the way. <laughs> At the start, when I first came in, the, the first two, three weeks, and I'm trying to speak to him. He's trying to speak to me. I don't have a clue what he's saying. He's probably not got a clue what my Cumbrian accent's saying to him. And then we end, by the end of probably three weeks, where he'd say something, I'd just laugh, and I'd say something, and he'd just laugh. And I think from then we just started getting on, and ever since then we've gotten really well. And um, I think he can see, like I said before, like a laugh and a joke, but when going there on the training ground, he can see how hard I train and how hard I want to work. And I think that respect that we've got for each other is... He's obviously evident for, for everyone to see. And the other one is a guy who I've, I've always loved. Great, great guy. Xabi Mancisador, um, our goalkeeping coach. Pep says he's the best in the world. What do you think of him, both in terms of his, him as a person, but also his methods uh, that he brings to the training pitch? Yeah, obviously, um, when I first came, I didn't know what to expect with the training. Obviously, Xabi's Spanish guy. I've only had one... Spanish coach before and I think I was 18 or 19 and I really struggled for it and I was thinking going to be a struggle for me I'm going to probably naive English man thinking oh, English is the best this is the best and then I come and um, Xavi slowly taught me the stuff taught me the techniques and probably that's why I've just said five minutes ago I feel like I've I've definitely improved the last couple of years and a lot of the things that he's taught me is hopefully something that I can I can use in the in the future if that's the coaching line I go down. Um and it would be definitely something that, that I would use because I've seen the benefits of it and hopefully I can I can Im Im improve other people with them. See what he did there? He's just revealed his next career choice after he retires in ten years' time. He's talking about being a goalkeeping coach. <laughs> the if the if is irrelevant. If. The fact he's mentioned it means that it's real. But you, you're kind of in a transition almost anyway because you, you're basically saying as a third choice you have to do a bit of extra work afterwards. Do you feel like you are transitioning into a coaching role anyway, kind of naturally? Um, no, I, I wouldn't say that. I feel like the the older I've got, the, the more I do want to to help people. And yeah. obviously I know I'm not going to play week in, week out. So I'm not one who just, he's happy just to come, come in, train, go home. I feel like I do have to give something whether it be before training which I f like I said before I feel like we, I have helped with because like, the dressing room now compared to how it, how it was when two three years ago it's, it's chalk and cheese so I do feel I've helped in that way in the, the camaraderie side in the, in the dressing room but with the, whether it be the young players or even Eddie I think everyone knows that I'm open if, if they need any any advice if anything I'm there and I think that's just by just by getting older and with the experience yeah so this the, everything he's saying is like spot on I can picture him being that person within that space but when you came to City was this the first time where you were going to be a third choice goalkeeper yeah. what made you think that was the right thing for you to do in, in that particular moment and secondly as you arrived was there any sort of sense of like almost like an imposter syndrome as in like why am I here because from the outside everyone was talking about well they signed this guy signed this guy and they signed Scott Carson but how did you let that essentially not trouble you because City wanted you and that's obviously the biggest thing 
Yeah, to be fair, that was a tough um, couple of weeks. That before before I came, obviously I'm coming off a couple of probably my best seasons with Derby, and then um, for to find out when I was away in pre-season that they're trying to offload you, come a bit bit of a shock first, and then second was obviously my family was really settled in in that area, and I felt if something comes up that I feels right, then I'll look at it, but. I want to fight for my place. I, I still think I can offer a, a lot of being being the number one goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. And obviously the the time went on and then my agent rang and said, Man City want you to go as third choice. And obviously still in, the, in my head, I, still number one, I was yeah. a number one keeper fighting to be number one. I think the the biggest thing was obviously I, I, spoke, to, I spoke to Xavi he obviously told me what will happen. Yeah, you're not going to be playing every week, but we feel we spoke to enough people to know the character that you are, that you you can help the group, you can you can help the keepers. And um, I, I, I had a, I had to think about it, and my agent come back to me and he was like, "Let's go, and, let's go and speak to Xavi. Let's go and see see what you think." He went, but I don't think you really want to go and train with the the under 23s at Derby. He said, I know, I've known you long enough. I know your character you are. You'll struggle with it. Mm. So you either learn off the best manager in the world, learn off Xavi, see what his, um, what his ideas are behind goalkeeping and um, obviously train with the best players in the world. So make a decision. And it was when you sit down and think it's, yeah, you, you lose that feeling of playing week in, week out. And from day to day, yeah. there's no difference. Yeah. You're training, you get that buzz. It's only when you get to the stadiums, the fans come in, you go off for the warm up, and you're like, I, 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 "I do do miss that feeling." But I, like you said before, I've, I feel like I've I've been lucky in my career. I've had a really good career, played nearly 500 games or so. So obviously, sometimes the, the roles do change. I think to jump in on that point, because again, it's some loads of great points. The third choice goalkeeper is in a very tough spot, but the different types because there's someone like Scott who misses playing. So if the chance comes to play, he's excited about playing. But people perceive it sometimes from the outside as somebody that doesn't just want to yeah. play ever. They just want to sit there. And I think that's something that needs to really be addressed. Like we don't often get the chance to speak to someone in your position. Yeah. But I think that's really important in hearing that because it sort of changes the whole context around the nature of a squad. Like everyone can play and everyone wants to play, but unfortunately, everyone gets the opportunity to. So add the other sort of value to the other side of things. I think this is a good time to ask Carl Walker's question, actually. So on the podcast, the previous guest sets a question for the next guest without knowing who it is. Carl Walker's question without knowing it was you was, are you happy as of today? Are you happy with your City career so far? I think this is a good time to ask you that. Um, am I happy with my City career? Yeah. Someone watching this or listening to this would say, you've played one game in, in 20 minutes what's there to be happy about that but I feel I've done a lot more behind the scenes yeah and that's the feedback we get from all every player and every coach says exactly the same thing yeah I don't think I've just came here and done as the minimum I could I think I've I've came here I've I've set standards even still at at my age to see what I do day in day out so would I have loved more more games of of course would everyone wants to Play that's the that's the pinnacle to play on on a Saturday, but it is what it is. 
there's two top keepers in front of me now. There was uh, Zach when he was here. There's Claudio. So I'm realistic enough to to know that unless they're injured or whatever, then I'm not going to play. But that's not going to stop me every single day working hard, coming in, smile on my face, and if the manager needs me, I, I, I'm going to be ready. With all your experience, a coaching career would would, would seem like a good thing to pursue. Do you ever do you ever consider kind of getting involved with any of our academy goalkeeping setups and and helping them? Because with all you know, with everything you've experienced, you'd be able to help some of our young kids, wouldn't you? Yeah, I hope so. I am, but even now, obviously, people probably look on from the outside or whatever and say, "Are you thirty seven? You must be calling it a day soon." But still, feel fit. Still fit. Body's really good, and I don't know how old I was at the time. Probably. 26, 27, I always had a vision of that. I wanted to get to 40, still playing, so I'm not far off. So no, you're close, yeah. you're close. You're trying to write him off talking no, about No, no, not at all, not at all. I would, I'm just clip that, you know coming on a podcast and get retired <laughs> off. Oh, mate, ass. All right, done. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm a forward-thinking guy, you know. Uh, I, I have got one question about Liverpool. This is obviously a City podcast. I don't want to talk about Liverpool too much. But you're involved in one of the most amazing football matches I've ever seen, which was the uh, the Champions League final in Istanbul. You were part of the squad that night. A lot's been said about the game itself, but just that rumour or suggestion that maybe some of the AC Milan players were a little bit celebratory, shall we say, after 45 minutes, and that sort of spurred the players on. Is there any truth in that? It's that long ago. I can't really remember too much about it. I remember coming in and everyone obviously being distraught and, we had a Scottish coach. I don't know if he was number two to Benitez, but he was obviously an assistant manager. And I just remember him saying, come on, get one. If we get one, the reds will drop a bit and we'll get another one and then we'll get the third. And I think, remember just looking, thinking, I don't think that's the, yeah, it's not, the not, right not the way time. It's yeah. in the Champions League. <laughs> no, it's a Champions League final, just being play, played off the park. And then what happens? One, one two, three, and it's like, just couldn't believe it. Unbelievable. Yeah. One of the greatest teams of the last 20, 30 years, that AC Milan oh, team yeah, as well. Watching them the first half, how well they played and sort of a good Liverpool side apart. But I think there was obviously a few rumours about kissing the cup before and touching the cup and touching the balls and all sorts of stuff that, yeah. that goes on. And that sort of yes. stuff annoy players. Some. But yeah. We only ever really hear about it when that team loses. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's yeah. the thing. Yeah, yeah. It probably happens a lot more than you think otherwise. People wouldn't continually be doing it. So I wouldn't necessarily buy into that too much. But interestingly, in that game, that idea of one at a time, that's what we saw in that sort of behind the scenes with Pep last season in the Aston Villa game, where it says we get one goal, then it's going to be another goal. And I think sometimes people try and think as if you're going to score three at the same time. It's just little by little. Do you know what I mean? City pretty much did score three in the same time in that Villa game. Three yeah, and five it went minutes. From, it went from like, the, there's not enough time to now there's too much time on the yeah. clock as you're 3-2 up. But you know, what, you know what it's like even in any normal game, you're winning 2-0 and someone scores in the last five minutes to make it 2-1. Your, your demeanour just changes, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, horrendous, yeah. You've got so much, yeah. your chest out and everything and then straight away. It's, it's like, yeah, anxiety. It's, it's like the wind thing. comes and every, everyone just starts <laughs> coming to what it's exactly. like. Exactly. Exactly. What about your time in Turkish football? Was that a daunting move before you went went out there? Yeah, that was a that was another obviously big decision I had to make. Um, I think I had a year left on my contract at West Brom, but Roy Hudson came in and he said if if I want to move on, I, I can move on. So it was something I had to, had to look at. The option obviously came up, and 
I had two young kids. Um, my wife was heavily pregnant at the time, so it was, do I, do I want to take my kids out there and try to see what it's like? But in the end, we we all went. Um, I, I didn't really want to drop down the leagues in, in England, so I, I thought, why not? Still going to be playing in, in, a, in a decent league, still in um, Europa League, so feel like you just need to play at the highest level for as long as you can and um, just coming off probably a not so great season for West Brom so I don't think there was too many takers at the time and I felt by going there I could probably re-establish my career um, get some confidence back and get to know myself know my game and I felt I did that yeah. went there had two, two decent seasons and then, then came back with Wigan How old were you when you went over there? I think I was 26 26 still quite young I think that was my third season at West Brom, but you know when you feel sometimes you'd go to a club and as much as you want it to work, the atmosphere is good, you, you like it there, but I just never felt that I played as well as I could just play. Just not clicking yeah. for you. No, yeah. and it was it, it was frustrating because I was doing everything. I was training harder. I how was, did you not doubt yourself in that time? Um, how did I doubt? How did you not doubt yourself? Like to keep going, like to think that the answer's there. Because if some for some people, you've seen it yourself across so many years, some people just disappear within themselves yeah. and they can't play anymore. No, but I, I I always knew at the back of my mind that I wouldn't say I was a top goalkeeper, but I felt I was a steady Premier League goalkeeper. I'd done it at Charlton. I'd done it at Aston Villa. Mm. I, I felt that I, I could have, I should have a career in 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 the, in the Premier League, and but. When you're putting everything in on a weekly basis and then you're just not playing well on the Saturday, you, you do start doubting yourself. And then obviously at the end of the season, when the manager says he wants to change it up, and it's tough, yeah. Obviously, something like Turkey comes up where you do seriously have to think about it. But thankfully, looking back, I've, it, it probably was the right decision at the right time and mm -hmm. took me out of the, probably the spotlight for a little bit. And I need to comment on something. You said steady, but I think that devalues what you're trying to say because I think it's a good Premier League goalkeeper when someone says steady it doesn't sound impressive yeah, yeah. if you're doing if you steady as a goalkeeper that's it, that's pretty good going isn't it but it's not but that's the word though I think good is the right word yeah. and the reason I say good is because to be a Premier League goalkeeper is the stuff that 99% of goalkeepers dream of doing yeah. and to be as good as say you are and you were in that time I wouldn't call that steady as I said I'd call that a very good Premier League goalkeeper for no, sure I appreciate that it's looking back on my career it's had a lot of ups, a lot of downs, but I do think I'd probably played close to 150 Premier League games or something. Out of that time, probably feel like I've performed consistently, consistently well. And even from when I come back from from that move in Turkey, I, I felt like I come back with with a lot more confidence. And then obviously went to Wigan, then went to Derby not long after that, and felt I probably had my best three, four years in my whole career. And, I felt that was obviously on the back of that, just getting myself out, out of the country, away from the, the spotlight. And so it was a good move, good yeah. move for you at the right time. But is there a story about a Swiss Army knife out there? Yeah, it's that true. That, tell yeah. Us? yeah, go on, tell us, tell us that. I read this one; it sounded yeah, quite interesting. Um, like here, if, obviously, if there's a bit of snow here and there's a bit of snow goes on the stands, it, the game's off, isn't it, for yeah, health and safety? Yeah, and exactly, also, yeah. but the, the pitches are covered. You bang, you can't even get your studs in the ground sometimes. And I'm like, I'll be playing on this and. I think we played in Trabzonspor and their fans are, well, most fans in Turkey, they're really passionate. And um, I can't remember exactly what score it was, but we just getting before half-time 
and the snow's coming down. Next thing, I just feel something come past my head, and I'm knocking down. Pick it up. It's a proper Swiss Army knife. It's got it's got a bit of weight to it. And I was like, jeez. <laughs> and then the ref blows the uh, whistle, and I walk down and I say to the, I think he was like the, wasn't it interpreter, but he spoke English, and uh, I said to him, go check what's this, and then as I picked up like that, one of the coach staff come, and he went as if like give me it, so I give it to him. And then didn't think nothing of it, went in. And at the end of the game, a couple of them coming to me, oh, Carson, thank you, thank you. I was, said to go, what the same thank you for? I'll just give him a Swiss arm and after I didn't took my head off with. <laughs> he went, yeah, because if you'd, if you'd have went to the ref with that and showed the referee that have had, all the fans would have been banned out the stadium for a couple of games. So incredible. They, they were happy. <laughs> <Slightly different, laughs> so you did him a big favour there. Yeah, no, yeah. Okay, so we're going to do the final few questions. Um, everyone who comes on the podcast, Ask a question for the next guest, but we don't tell you who that guest is going to be. So, what would your question be for our for our next mystery guest? Um, I think my question for the next guest would be, "What's the greatest game of football you've ever been involved in?" Brilliant. It's not bad. That. Yeah, yeah. Good. I think I think the next guest would uh, would like that one. And I think I think has probably got quite a few on the list, yeah, quite that you'll possibly, be able to talk yeah. about. No spoilers, so yeah, that's no, a good no spoilers, one. no spoilers. Another one, if you could change any rule in football, what would it be? I think it would, especially with all the debates going on at the minute with all these penalties and stuff, as a keeper, we, we're going to have to have our hands be tied behind our back soon for penalties and not going to be able to move. So that is getting to me a little bit, and mm. especially when players can run up, stop, do these fakes and all that sort of stuff. I think That's there, has to, a, there a balance, has to be a balance on that. Whereas, obviously, Martinez is getting a lot of stick from before the penalties, after the penalties. But someone can run up, do these fakes, do these jumps. I think there has to be a, a little bit of a balance. So I think there's got to be something done to make it fair on both sides. It's really interesting. I didn't even thought of that. It's because you wouldn't. It's because the goalkeeper said yeah, it. Yeah, you've seen it from a goalkeeper's position. <laughs> yeah. And then the final one, what was the last thing that you binged? Like, was there a series on Netflix or podcast series or anything like that that you've just kind of flown through? Um, what was the last one I just watched? Kind of been that quick because I forgot <laughs> what it was. <laughs> um, no, I'll tell, tell you what I do, like, SEAL Team. I think it, um, it's on Sky, I think it is. So I think there's quite a few six series or something We've been through them in, in a good few months and I think there's another one coming back on. So we're, good. we're waiting for that. To, it's an easy easy watch, them, the Marines. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Scott Carson, really enjoyed that. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Paulinho, good save, Scott Carson. He comes onto the field for a little cameo and makes the game's best save. Scott Carson, take a bow. The official Manchester City podcast with Rob Pollard and Nadem Manua. Scott Carson there, Nadem. I don't know about you, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah, same. I absolutely did. And like his role and him at City is one of those things where you don't hear a lot from him. You kind of see him every so often. But for him to actually get the chance to speak, I think a lot, I feel like a lot of people really like him. And, you know, and maybe I'm biased because I did play with him and I do like him, but... It's no point in the podcast, isn't it? Hearing some voices you might not normally hear. What was your experience of him when you played with him as, uh, as both as a person and a player? Well, he looked the same way as he does today when he was 21. So basically, he was like the old man amongst the youngsters, yeah. even though he was young himself. Yeah, a tough paper out, although still looks fit. Two bags uphill into wind. 
twice a day. He physically still looks fit to me. And you can hear like he's got that desire to keep playing yeah. as well. He's physically, he's fit mentally, he's ready to go. And it just goes to show like we so often throw our own sort of like assumptions onto people or presumptions rather, but for him, he's good to go. What a great professional. And he's still got more years to come as well. And I know we were joking about kind of retiring him and, and, and trying to find a career. Yes, you did try and retire him, yes. Find a career after the game. But there's a coach there, surely, with that experience and, you know, all the clubs he's been at and, and now being in City working with Xabi, who is, you know, widely accepted to be one of the great goalkeeping coaches of, of, of modern times. Yeah. He's got something to give back to the game there, surely. Yeah, I think he has. I think lots of people would do as well. But from listening to his voice, you can tell that he loves being in this environment. Yeah. I think that's the fundamental thing you need to have if you want to be a successful coach, and he's definitely got that. Well, Nadam, thank you uh, for being with us as well. And make sure you download the Manchester City app. That's the best place to get all of... Uh, the latest news and goings on at Manchester City and if you want to get a City Plus subscription we've got some great documentaries on there as well and until next time thank you for listening and join us again soon The official Manchester City podcast Watch the full video version of this show via City Plus and Recast Now This podcast is produced by Voiceworks Sport and Manchester City